Race does come into play. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard right here on WHCR 90.3 FM, the voice of Harlem. And we are back on Let Your Voice Be Heard. This is Jackie Cohen. I am here with Alyssa Fuchs and Selena Hill. Um, if you want to call in to our show, we encourage that you do. You can call the number 212-650-6903. Yes, yes, yes. Please do. Or and you also can tweet, tweet us. Yes. Be heard. <laughs> underscore radio. Twinsies. Or you can leave a comment on Politically Preposterous. Or you can just Come say hi. I don't Definitely. Yeah, hey. All right, guys. We're back. And again, Stanley Fritz is not here, but he'll be back more oh, than likely. Good. As long as he's not hungover next Sunday, he'll be back here sitting in this seat. Okay, guys? So a um, little FYI. We're actually going to talk about gun control and gun regu- gun regulation um, for this part of the show. And we have a very special guest in the studio, which I will, who I will introduce in just a moment. So um, do you guys remember that really nice weekend in April? It was like... 75 to 80 degrees here in New York City like I finally didn't have to wear a jacket and I had like so much fun it was a Saturday and then the Sunday was really nice and you know for the most part I think most of us really enjoyed the weekend however that same weekend which happened to be from Friday um, April 17th to Sunday April 20th there were 21 shootings well there were um, 21 people were shot and two people were actually killed from gun violence right here in New York City um, here it's just one weekend and it's it's pretty mind-blowing but then again I'm like this happens all the time and it's not even headlining news right right um, and I remember we talked about guns so much right after Sandy Hook right and right after the massacre in um, Colorado when we had the dark night shooting and we talked Gabby about Giffords it. was killed uh, well, not shot, shot, shot in the head um, no, and I'm other blank. people were killed exactly and it's like when we have that type of gun violence it's uh, it's headlining news right it's 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 the central thing in national discourse but when people who are majorly black and brown are continually shot in one like area or in one short period of time it's not really news anymore because it's just like okay well that area is played by plagued by gangs or you know they have a lot of guns here but today we want to talk about we want to go a little deeper and talk about how the fact how are these guns even getting into the hands of some of these criminals right they're being sold on the black market but they're not creating they're not manufacturing the guns they're coming from somewhere they're coming from other states like virginia um in which they have such these lax laws when it comes to when it comes to guns you can buy a gun no matter what your background is no matter no matter what it is that um you know no matter your training you can get this gun and then it's sold on the black market here um i know Alyssa wanted to chime in quickly yeah, you know i just wanted to add to that you said coming up there's so many guns coming up from up that line that there's even a name for i-95 it's known as the iron pipeline and that is because it is one of the most traffic routes to bring guns that are initially sold legally, uh, usually usually to what we'll call a straw purchaser, somebody who can legally go and buy that gun, who then turns around and brings that gun um, through the iron pipeline up I-95 from the south to the north and then resells that gun to somebody who could not have purchased that gun. Exactly. And that's what's been going on for decades. I want to introduce our very special guest. Like, I'm so, like, flustered. So, please, if I, if I mispronounce your name. <laughs> You're doing great. But it's it's Corlette Martin. She is from Astoria, Queens. So, Yay. shout out to Queens. Shout um, out to Astoria. <laughs> um, she is a, a que- uh, actually a New York native. She's a mom. She has a six-year-old child. She actually began volunteering with a number of gun violence prevention groups in the days following Sandy Hook. And that was 
was again December 2012. Um, she also supports common sense policies that will keep guns out of the wrong hands. But correct me if I'm wrong, you're also a gun owner. Correct. Right. And she's here in the studio with us. Um, Corlette, I just want to start off just getting some of your feedback. And the fact that you own a gun, that's really unique because I think that when we hear a lot of people on the left talking about gun regulation and talking about gun control, we speak about it from a, from a, a different perspective. Like I've never shot a gun. I'm not around guns. I don't live in a, in a region where hunting is a big part of my life. And I can and that's the that's the lens that I speak from where you have other people in other towns and they're like, well, you know, I grew up shooting guns. This was something that was that was fun for me. Um, and this is something I do um, for recreation. And why would we want to put a band on it and limit it? So I think that you have that very unique perspective because you can talk from both areas. What, what would you say about what's going on when it comes to gun violence? Boy. <laughs> where to start, <laughs> right? Where, where would yeah. you start? How long do we have? <laughs> you know, it, is, it is absolutely um, time to have this conversation. And I'm glad that two years after Sandy Hook, I'm here and we're talking about it. That makes me very hopeful and very optimistic because heretofore, it's been the kind of situation where you have a Columbine, you have Gabby Giffords, you have Aurora. The nation is horrified and everybody's screaming about what's wrong and the NRA is telling you more guns are gonna solve this problem. And and it's it's a moment in time and it passes. And so today we're here you know, with that weekend recently in April with 21 New Yorkers shot. We have a cop in a yeah. hospital clinging to life, shot by an ex-con with a gun right. yesterday. Right. Um, we have a very bad situation going on, even though we're in a state and a city that have reasonable gun laws, that have pretty strong gun laws, that have gun laws that the NRA hates. And here we are in a city of 8 million people, and our murder rate is lower than some cities with a tenth of our population. Mm. Right. And, and that is a function of geography. You know, you spoke about the iron pipeline. What happens is you've got this corridor from Miami to Maine, right? So you've got the perfect route to take advantage of lax gun laws in the southern states. In particular, you look at Florida, North and South Carolina, Georgia, and Virginia, as you mentioned. Um, those are probably the five biggest offenders in terms of loose gun laws, where you can literally walk into a gun show on a Saturday or a Sunday, show nothing in terms of permits to own. They're not required. Background check, not required. Mm. Um, you can show your ID for the state, a driver's license, and walk away with virtually any gun you want from a private sale. Mm. Federal firearms licensed dealers, of course, have to run a NICS check, have to do a background check. But when the workaround is so easy, it's the equivalent of going to the airport and having a line that checks, you know, for your ID and a line that says, let's just wing it. Right. right. So, <laughs> and that doesn't make any sense. It, it doesn't. I've said it's the equivalent to me as a mom of putting my kid in a daycare where only 60% of the staff are checked. Right. 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 Yeah, we, we just wouldn't do, do that. No, because right. it, it makes absolutely no sense. Well, it seems like it, as far as our gun policy, we're only as strong as our weakest link, right? Correct. Where no matter how stringent Correct. our gun policies are in New York, you know, if there's lax policies elsewhere. That's where if you want a gun, you'll figure out how to get a gun. Um, that's right. You're not going to, you know, go through the proper channels if you know that you, there's an easier way. I mean, that's just how it works. That's right. And you'll find cities like New York, but not just New York, you know, lots of other places, too, are literally flooded with guns that come from 
states that have right. those laws where right. gun trafficking isn't even a crime. It's not a crime at the federal level. Wow. Does wow. that make sense? No. I did not know that. No, it doesn't make sense. W- the penalties are laughable. The penalties are like paper violations. But yet if you compare so, that to uh, the penalties <coughs> for being a felon in <coughs> possession of a gun, uh, which you now fall under the federal mandatory minimum, which are permissive, not mandatory, but you're still under the federal sentencing guidelines and then the penalties become extraordinary. So if you're an individual right. who is a felon who is now in possession of a gun, then you can go to you'll go to jail for a very, very, very long time. Um, and yet and some of these people, let's remind you, are not violent felons. Some of these are right. people who have felonies for, say, marijuana, which yes. we actually should say could say, you know, that's somebody who maybe should be able to get their gun rights reinstored. Um, that penalty is so exorbitant. And yet there's very little penalties, as you point out, for gun traffickers. Yeah, it's a very strange right. situation that we have going on in this country. And I come from. You know, a family of gun owners. My dad was a gun owner. My dad was shooting rabbits with a slingshot when he was five, <laughs> you know, in Ireland. That's mm-hmm. where he's from. So there were guns around. There were shotguns. He lived on a farm. He came to this country. He's a veteran, served in the Army. We had a house upstate in the Catskills. You know, there was always plinking going on in the backyard. Right. And so it's not a function of being anti-gun or afraid of guns. And, you know, I think we need to sort of take back that conversation because there are plenty of gun owners out there like me who want universal background checks you know to to what what country is this where you can walk into a gun show and buy a gun find a group on facebook and meet up with a guy in the piggly wiggly parking (laughs) lot and i'm not kidding you that is not hyperbole that is how these things happen you can buy a gun out of a trunk and post about it on facebook and no laws are being broken it's this weird don't ask, don't tell policy. Yeah. You're supposed to look at the dude who meets you and know whether he's a felon That's or not. Terrifying. And the easiest way to not know to keep everybody out of trouble is just don't ask. Right. It, guys, right? if you're just tuning in again, we have in studio with us Colette Martin. She is a gun well, gun control advocate. Can I can I can I say it like that? But she also owns a gun. And we're talking about gun regulation here. Um, one of the things I want to talk about is the argument you I've constantly hear about people who are you know very pro-gun and they'll say things like well this is why you should have looser laws in places like new york city and places like Mm -hmm. chicago because you guys have the most gun violence obviously your laws aren't working and to me that 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 argument is like bizarre but what do you say to that what i say to that is faulty premise faulty conclusion because the the fact of the matter is we don't we were speaking at the break. New York has 8 million people and something like 330 gun murders took place within. Now, is that tragic? Absolutely. That, that's, that's a ridiculous number. That's more than, you know, most countries in the world experience. Yeah. It's a, and we shouldn't be blasé about it. However, New York and Chicago, mm-hmm. New York State is actually the third lowest in this country in terms of gun violence. So that includes statewide. When you compare city to city, New York isn't even in the top 10 as far as the rate of gun violence, that is by population, which is the correct way to measure this, really. Um, Chicago is somewhere low, like eighth out of the top 10. You have to look at cities like Detroit, cities like Knoxville, cities like Memphis and Birmingham. There are pockets of gun violence in this nation that make us look truly like a nation at war, where the rate of gun violence is so much higher than what it is here in New York. Our relatively low level of gun violence is a function of both 
good legislation, but also we are, we are geographically gifted right. in a way because so we're, we're surrounded by states that have reasonable common sense gun laws. Right. It does make it harder. Right. It just feels to me like we're just sitting around waiting for the next mass shooting to oh, happen. Yeah. Uh, Definitely. And it also uh. feels like it's like a, a, a man. Well, one, we don't talk about these shootings that are going on in all these right. different cities with guns that, you know, as we just said, are coming into the cities because of lax gun laws. But, you know, it's like every time we have a big mass shooting and then everybody starts talking about gun laws and then there's this immediate pushback from the NRA um, mm-hmm. and then and then it fizzles out. It kind of like peters out and then nobody's talking about it. And then we're just, like I said, sitting around waiting for the mass shooting to happen. And we know that statistically something like 92 percent of people in this country, gun owners and non-gun owners, support a federal universal background check law. Yet we it can't get passed through Congress. Why is that? Well, that's right. And, and, you know, that speaks directly to the power of the NRA, who you mentioned. And what we need to do as concerned citizens, as gun owners, in my opinion, is we need to question that. We need to wonder why a group that claims 5 million membership, now that makes them one of the strongest lobbying outfits out there. However, there's some debate as to whether that number is correct and how many of those are alive. Um, <laughs> right. You know, because they do things like leave people oh, on wow. the membership rolls 20 years after they die. and <laughs> Just to build their numbers? Back. Absolutely. It's wow. padded. But that's all about advertising revenue and circulation on their magazines. Okay. Um, however, there are somewhere upwards or around 80 million gun owners in this country, 5 million of whom on a good day belong to the NRA. So we have to really question, where does this imbalance of power come from? Where does their influence come from? Because it certainly doesn't come from the gun-owning Americans at large who have en masse, rejected the NRA, right? Why mm. isn't their membership somewhere at 70 million, 75 million? It, it works out to about 15% or less of legal gun owners who are actual members of the NRA. And wow. even among NRA members, there is tremendous dissent with this extremist rhetoric that comes out of them in the wake of every mass shooting mm. and every study that's done on gun violence. Right. Um, because, you know, their job is not to represent me as an American gun owner. Their job is to represent Smith & Wesson. The gun mm. manufacturers. <laughs> right. And right. I think Special that there's, there's not even an attempt to cover that anymore where there used to be. Right. Um, so I think that we need to just hold our legislators responsible. N- no, we definitely do. Um, on that note, we're actually going to take a quick break, but we'll be sure. back talking more about, again, the gun debate here in America and what we need to do to stop gun violence. Don't go anywhere. This is Let Your Voice Be Heard. We are back, turning up here in the studio at Let Your Voice Be Heard again. This is WATR 90.3 FM. My name is Selena Hill. I'm with Jackie Cohen, Alyssa Fuchs, and our very special guest, Colette Martin, who is here speaking to us about um, gun regulation and gun violence. And I know Jackie had a comment. Yeah, so I have a comment and a question. So I, I like the that you brought up this fact that, you know, upstate in New York specifically, there's very different cultural norms associated with guns where there's sure. upstate. You know, I, I was telling you before, my best friend grew up upstate New York. Um, her dad's a big hunter. I mean, all, everything you eat on their table has been grown by them or hunted fish 
by them. Um, and when we were moving to the city, she was my roommate for a while. Her dad said, you know, I'd feel a lot more comfortable with you guys having a gun, you know, just to protect yourselves, which we know nothing about guns. So it would have been a disaster. And then, you know, my parents who grew up in New York City, specifically like my mother who grew up in the Bronx, mm -hmm. was like, I don't feel safer with you having a gun. I think that would be probably a bad idea for you to me yeah. specifically. I don't think I would know the first thing about owning a gun. I would have to know probably. a lot more about it. it, it yeah. Yeah. And, and I would have to agree with your mom on that, particularly <laughs> for people who are not familiar with gun usage. Um, the science backs up your mom. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Sure. Because the likelihood of something terrible happening with that gun is much higher than the likelihood of you saving each other in the event of a home invasion. Right, right. Right, because you were never going to get a carry permit here in New York exactly. for that gun anyway, so it was going to sit at home, right. probably unused in your dresser, and more than it likely... It puts us at higher risk. It does put you at higher risk, and, sure. and I actually have a friend in Queens who's um, got a family member who was killed wow. in, in a very similar situation in Nebraska, Wow. And he was a gun owner all his life, and that gun was there to protect him, and it was used against, against him. him. Well, that's a very often crime. thing. I mean, there's a lot of statistics, and I don't know them off my top of my head, and you may have a better understanding of those stats, but that people who have guns in their house are more likely to be killed by their own gun, that's more likely to have an accident where they that's get correct. injured by their own gun, and especially in the context of domestic violence, we see that that's a right. lot of weapons are used um, in that context as well. Uh, so I was hoping that you could speak about that. But sure. I was um, also curious about um, how you got involved with the issue in the first place. Great question. I actually, um, you know, I think Sandy Hook gave us all pause, you know, any parent, certainly at that moment in time, because, you know, when I was younger, we had Columbine. We had a number of other high profile massacres that really didn't affect me. I have to say that they were not in New York. They were happening in other places, Virginia Tech, you know, and um, all of these things happen and they accumulate. And then I went ahead and had a baby in 2007 and uh, 2008. <laughs> um, yeah, I should remember. But my son had been at school for all of three months. He was in pre-K and life was great. And then December 14th happened and I had a knot in my stomach curled up on my couch in fetal position as reports came in from Sandy Hook. And all I could do was weep for these first yeah. graders. It was all I could do. I was literally paralyzed. I went and got my son from school. I didn't let him leave my sight, you yeah. know, for many, many days and weeks after that. Um, I felt so helpless and so hopeless. And I knew that as a gun owner, as the details came out, there was so much that went down there that should not have been happening. There was so, so much to it. And I probably would have still sit, you know, just stayed very sad about Sandy Hook until Wayne LaPierre got on the air exactly one week after and told us the problem was Hollywood and the problem was video games and the solution is more guns in more schools. Oh, God. That's what moved me. So I actually frequently thank Wayne for that because mm. it got me off my couch. Mm, it yes. got me invested in this because with my son's school career had just started. And I thought there's no way I can go through 18 years, 22 years of his education yeah. being being more guns around him everywhere he goes. No. And, and I don't think that makes any of us more free. 
it, it really doesn't. Um, thank you so much for sharing that. So, you know, that that really speaks to the emotional side of things. Um, and it, it does take us to feel some way attached to stuff to get involved. But, you know, good kudos to you and good for you that you finally, you know, you started taking action. You're doing so much work now. And we definitely commend that. I just wanted to add a comment to something that you said or way earlier to go back to about the fact that those people who are in favor of, of better gun laws uh, um, are also people who own and yes. or use guns. Now, yes. I don't own any guns, but I do use guns. And I right. very much like to shoot for sport. And I go to the West Side Rifle Club here on 23rd Street in the Flatiron District very often. Um, I have been trained. I have taken, believe yes. it or not, the training class they give is an NRA training yes. class. Sure. But I have taken NRA training classes. I know the proper way to use a firearm. I know the proper way to not use a firearm. In fact, the first question that we were asked in the first day we took the class, which was he held up a gun, which was clearly ha- did not have the magazine on it. And he said, is this gun loaded? And everybody in the class said, no. And I said, of course the gun is loaded. And he said, right answer, because you always have to presume that's that right. the gun is loaded, because even if the magazine out there could be one in the chamber, right? right. So, that's right. You know, I think that there's a misconception and there's a it's always goes back to the people who yell the loudest seem to always be the ones that are heard. Correct. And the people yelling the loudest are the people who are like, the Second Amendment says there shall not be restrictions on any guns. And basically, they're like, LaPierre, guns, 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 guns for everybody. Yeah. Everybody needs a right. gun, you know. And that's right. just incorrect. And so we have to be the louder ones, right. the people who own and use guns. And we have to say, no, those people don't represent me. So I, I have a quick Agreed. question. So and please correct me if I'm wrong, because. I, I this is not coming from a <laughs> this is coming from a presumption um, but I, I remember hearing something about the fact that some of these mass shootings that have taken place maybe most of them I don't know the, these like major you know like Aurora or um, I don't think Columbine but some of these major shootings that have taken place have been were by people that were using legal guns um, I don't know if yes. that's yeah so yes. I mean and that so that's scary right because there's these right. two different types of Right. Gun debates. One is the you know iron pipeline where these, there's illegal guns going through that people are getting illegally, and another is that people are getting their guns legally. And maybe that's the, there's the answer right there is that mm-hmm. we just need stricter laws and we need to be able to regulate them more heavily. But you know, what do you say about that with people that yeah. have guns that they've gone through the proper channels to get and then use them in this way? And why you know maybe the bigger question is why do people besides hunters? you know, people like yourself own guns to begin with. Right. Well, in my case, I mean, my husband is a hunter, so we have that. Yeah. My dad was as well. You know, the guns are in my home. They are secured yes. at all times. They are locked up 24-7 unless they're in use. They always will be. My son, who is six, does not know they are there. I have no need at this point to let a six-year-old boy handle a live firearm that will come and we laugh right except go on Facebook yeah because there are people very proud of teaching their three-year-olds how to shoot oh there was that that girl that was that shot her instructor oh yeah now that was awful you see I've seen stuff on the internet where people are putting a gun and maybe it's unloaded I don't know um, in the hands of I've seen guns in the hands of babies Babies. the baby is in the the carriage and they're like like taking a picture of their baby with a gun and putting it on Facebook that is ridiculous and you know what's more ridiculous the likes 
Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, yeah, other I, I gun, gun owners are going on there saying, yeah, way to go. Start right. Young. Sometimes I think these people are so crazy that they wouldn't pass a background check, and that's why they're against the background check. It's really unfortunate, you know, and, and I try to make the point very clearly that legislation alone is not going to solve our gun violence problem in no, America. it isn't. When you bucket out gun deaths, right, which are hovering around 33,000 a year now, which is just a, you cannot even wrap your mind around a number that big. I know I can't. So two-thirds of that are suicide. That has mm-hmm. its own set of issues attached to it, which I could talk to at great length, and it would fill up an entire show. Yeah. You've got homicides. So somewhere around 11,000 is what we can expect. That's, you know around a thousand people a month wow getting killed in this country then you have accidents and and other tragedies now the accident part talk to me because i track every child shooting in this country every unintentional i won't say accidental child shooting of children under 16. do you know we cannot go a day Mm. in this country without a kid getting access to a loaded, unlocked gun. Why is that? That speaks to the responsibility and the culture that needs changing. The same way that Mothers Against Drunk Driving came out and said, we gotta get better laws. We have to, you know, get on better footing legislatively. We also have to change the culture. Friends don't let friends drive drunk, right? Because when I was in college, they did. Right. Wow. So I think that's I mean, a great listen, in a generation. I, I really great that point. just happened in Arizona. There was in this suburban area, this two-year-old boy. Yes. He was being supervised by his yes. grandmother and his aunt. He was with his seven-year-old brother, and he found a gun in bed sheets on the bed. Shot himself gun. in the face. It happened again at Walmart. This woman, she was shopping with her baby son in the carriage. He reached into. He reached into. Um, the bag her mother he reached inside his mother's purse found a gun and shot and killed his mother in walmart this is happening this happens like 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 corlette said this happens at least once a day and i've been reading about it a couple times a month you hear the big sensational stories if and I'm it's not horrible mistaken, they found a loaded gun capitol police found a loaded gun in john boehner's sweet oh, yeah. bathroom the other they, day that they, there was a, a toddler child, a, a child, child found, found the gun and with capitol police no, they did. Um, and you know what? I want we, We're going to have to wrap the, the segment up in a few more minutes. But before we do, we, let's talk solutions. Yes. One of the solutions Please. is this big march that's taking place here in New York City in Brooklyn, Saturday, May 9th. Can you speak to us about this march and how people can, can get information about this? It's such a wonderful thing. I, um, it's a march that's being hosted and organized by Moms Demand Action, who have just done tremendous stuff. They're one of the first groups I joined, not, not the only one, but one of the first that I joined after Sandy Hook and Wayne. And uh, they organized this march, and it's just gotten bigger and better every year. This is the third consecutive one, and it's going to be massive, and we invite everyone to show up. Every, I have met the most amazing people you know, through this accidental activism as we call it Mm. you know because I I didn't when I was in college I wasn't doing what you guys are doing and you know running my life I wasn't an activist until this combination of events so uh, we march across the Brooklyn Bridge we call for we want to bring attention to the problem because even though New York has good and reasonable gun safety laws including the New York Safe Act which I support um, we still have this problem we have Guns are cutting down our youth. Guns are affecting our communities. Guns are 
paralyzing and traumatizing children on a daily basis in this country. When are we going to do something about it? Right. We have great legislators. We want to thank them because God knows the NRA and those insane people are going to be calling them when they try to pass common sense initiatives yep. and take a stand. So why aren't they hearing from us? And and I fault us for that as mm-hmm. a community. Like we have to not be so ambivalent and just accept this as a fact of life. Because when you delve into it, as I did after Sandy Hook, you find out that it's not that we have good laws happening nationally. It's that we have this quilted, weird patchwork that has so many loopholes and so many opportunities for people to exploit them, either for profit or for other motives, um, that it's no wonder that we have the the gun violence problem we do. And there's so much we can do. Mm. New York has legislation pending. Um, New Yorkers Against Gun Violence is another group I'm with. And they're supporting things like a safe storage bill for New York State. Believe it or not, you can leave a loaded gun within proximity of a child in much of New York State, and there's no penalty. There's no penalty for that. New York City has safe storage ordinances. Albany does as well. But when I tell you not a day goes by in this country that a child doesn't happen upon an unlocked gun, that's the truth. And somebody gets hurt. What time is the march um, starting this Saturday and where? Because I want to be there. That is an excellent question. I have to check the time unless someone calling in knows it. Um, is it on the Facebook bel- page? Maybe on, on the website? on the Facebook page for Moms Demand Action. All you do is type in on Facebook, Moms Demand Action, space New York, NY, and you'll get the page. Um, I can also email it to you. And momsdemandaction.org is the website for anyone who doesn't use Facebook. Okay. Um, and it's highly promoted and highly visible on both of their pages. Um, I apologize. No, no, no. Because <laughs> I'm just like, I, I need to find out because I want to be Bridge there. Plaza. Um, okay. On Saturday, May 9th. So let's cross our fingers for good weather. But it doesn't matter because me and those moms marched in the height of January on Ooh. Martin Luther King Day in wow. 2013, weeks after Sandy Hook. And we froze our butts off and we didn't care. <laughs> so this is that's be, passion. This is easy, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, definitely. And you guys should all get out there and get to the march. I, I just wanted to make a final comment about this before we wrap it up. Before I let Selena wrap it up and we go into the the quickie. Um, but even Anton Scalia in the Heller decision, which is the decision which gave people the individual right of ownership, um, and you know essentially said that the Second Amendment doesn't just apply to militias. And Anton Scalia writes, like most rights, the Second Amendment right is not unlimited. It is not a right to keep and carry any weapon whatsoever in any manner whatsoever and for whatever purpose. For example, concealed weapons prohibitions have been upheld under the amendment or state analogs. The court opinion should not be taken to cast out on longstanding prohibitions on the possession of firearms by felons and the mentally ill or laws forbidding the carrying of firearms in sensitive places such as schools, government buildings, or laws imposing conditions and qualifications on the commercial sale of arms. So this is not to to have these types of laws. And I know you said that that the laws are just not enough, but the laws in and of themselves, depending on the way they're written, are not going to violate the Second Amendment. Absolutely. they, they fall Absolutely into not. exactly what Scalia is talking about here, about where you can carry them and, and conditions and qualifications on the commercial sale of arms, which is essentially reads background checks. Colette, can you, can you just um, um, tell us again how people can contact you um, one more time? Sure. I mean, me personally. Or the organization. Or the organization. Moms Demand Action Facebook page. MomsDemandAction.org website nyagv.org for New Yorkers Against Gun Violence. And I really recommend that people check out the Brady campaign and their Asking Saves Kids campaign. Um, this is, we want 
every mom in New York City and every mom in New York State and throughout the country, when their kids have playdates and sleepovers, start asking about guns in the home. If they are there, are they secured? Right. Wow, no, that's yeah. a that's a that's a great point because so many people are so lax, like even with the guns in their own homes. And that's what leads to so many tragedies. Correct. But again, I think that, you know, and I thank you for being that example of how it's time for us all to wake up. It shouldn't take a bullet coming through our window or someone dying in our family yeah. or immediate circle for us to finally care. I mean, this is happening every single day to one child in America. And that's one child too much. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back to the quickie right here on Let Your Voice.